Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. I'm so glad that you're here this morning as we start into a brand new series around here at First Christian. And as we do that, we're constantly wanting to lead people closer to Jesus. That's really what we're all about. And we try and do that in all kinds of different ways because we recognize that Jesus stays the same. Je- Jesus is rock solid, but, but how some people kind of get introduced to Jesus, that, that can change, and that's different for different people. And that showed up in, in the whole At The Movies series. That was why we did that. It was a, a different way to share the truth of Jesus in kind of a different medium and, and give people an opportunity to kind of learn about Jesus in a different way. And it gave you an opportunity to invite people to come and, and kind of participate in that. And, and so many of you did, and I'm so thankful for that. But what we found out during At The Movies, what we were kind of preparing for, is that um, different people like different kinds of movies, right? That there's thrillers that some people like, and some people like a drama. Some people would rather watch a comedy. Some people like westerns. Some people uh, like sports movies. And, and, and so there's all kinds of different movies that are out there and sometimes, as, as they're going along, during the At The Movies series, for some of you, we hit some of your favorite movies of all time. I mean, it was a movie that you love, that you've watched and rewatched over and over and over again, and, and, and we showed that one. And, and yet, for some others of you, there were a couple of weeks where we showed movies that you'd never seen before, and in some cases, like, you're probably never going to watch ever because it just went over your head and it wasn't your thing. And, and yet the message was still there. Different ones of us like different kinds of movies. Some of you have already kind of turned the page on the kinds of movies that you like because of the time of year it is right now. There's some of you who have already started into watching Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. I see you and hear you. Okay, just for the sake of it, show of hands, anyone who has already watched at least one Christmas movie, look in the, what is going on? We'll get to that in a minute. Anyway, um, well, in the same way that there are people who like different kinds of movies, people who like to read, who like books, like literature, that they, there's different parts of literature that they like as well. Now, I, growing up, I was not a reader, and really it was only through the example and the urging of my father that eventually, like after high school, I started uh, becoming a reader and liking to read. And so I, I, now I, I read all kinds of different things. And I, I read thrillers and I read science fiction and I read uh, a little bit of fiction from all kinds of different genres. And, and, and I'll, I'll read history books and biographies and leadership books. And I, I have certain authors that I read everything that they've written and, and I'll reread some of them. And Boy, the moment that they put out a new book, that's on my list. I got to get to that one. And, and there are just certain kinds of, of books that I, I just love to read and love to find new authors in that genre. And, and yet, there are some parts of literature that just don't do it for me. Um, I, I just don't get it. And admittedly, one of those areas is poetry. I don't get it. Um, I just don't get what some of the poems are trying to say. And I think it goes back to high school, taking uh, the ACT or the SAT or one of those, and we were supposed to read a poem and then explain it. And 
I don't know what it was about or what it was trying to say, and I definitely, from my score, got it wrong. I don't know about poetry. It bothers me when it doesn't rhyme. It feels like poems are supposed to rhyme. And then I start to wonder if maybe the author thought that it rhymed, and he's not as smart as I thought he was. Well, here's the problem with that. If I don't like poetry, there are big chunks of the Bible that are poetry. And without getting too deep into the weeds here on the Bible, the Bible's an incredible book, but it's actually a collection of books. And the collection of books that's there in the Bible, all of those books kind of fit into different categories for us. And for instance, there's a a big bunch of books in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, that would be classified as history books. Okay? And history books, they, they tell the story of mankind on the earth, and they tell the story of God's work in the midst of all of that, and, and, and they, they are parts of the Bible that I read and I reread. They're the parts of the Bible that I go to more often probably than anything else, those books of history. But then there are other books in the Bible that would be classified as books of prophecy. And don't be scared by that. It's not a weird thing. It, it's actually books of prophets who tried over and over and over again to convince and to warn Israel about um, what was going to happen to them if they continued to ignore God and continued to kind of turn away from God and continued to be wishy-washy in their relationship with God. And, and man, the, the, the words in the book of prophecy, they're, they're meaningful for us because it speaks to what can happen in our heart too. There are other books in the Bible that uh, are called the epistles, which is a funny word, but it's actually a fancy word for a letter. And so all through the New Testament in particular, there are uh, these letters that have been written to people and to churches, and, and we have them collected for us in the Bible. And they, the, these letters tell uh, the truth about Jesus, and they, they talk about faith, and, and, and they talk about how to navigate your faith through kind of the details that pop up in life. And these are amazingly important books to us. And then there are books that are called the Gospels. You've probably heard that one before. And the Gospels are those, those first four books of the New Testament, and they tell the story of Jesus. And you can imagine that I think those books are pretty important too. But then there are a number of books in the Bible that are books of poetry. There are books like Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon and Proverbs and Psalms. They are books that have beautiful language in them and that speak to the emotions and the feelings of people as they are in the midst of the highs and the lows of life. These are books and words and verses that are filled with emotions and feelings and sentiment. And it's not that I don't ever read the book of Proverbs or the book of Psalms or Ecclesiastes. It's not that I never get to them. It's just not my preferred reading, or at least it hasn't been. And I'm not sure that I'm smart enough always to figure out the poetry that's in the Bible, or maybe I'm not emotionally intelligent enough to kind of catch up with it, or maybe it's okay to kind of not like poetry, 
I mean, I don't like to watch Christmas movies until it's actually Christmas time, and it's the middle of November for crying out loud. It is too early to watch a Christmas movie. Sorry, I couldn't let it go. Recently, I heard someone give some description, though, to the Psalms that are in the Bible and the poetry that's there. And it brought new meaning and new value to these incredibly emotion-filled words that show up in the Bible. And it seemed appropriate this time of year. I mean, we are headed into an emotion-filled season of our year. We've got Thanksgiving that's just two weeks away. And then we turn the page on that and round the corner and suddenly there's Christmas. And there's all kinds of emotions, positive and negative, that are wrapped up in that. And Thanksgiving is known as a season, as a holiday of gratitude. And that's there for sure, but for some of us, it is also um, a season that can bring remorse and a season that can bring regret and a season that can bring pain. And there's all of the event surrounding Thanksgiving and the stress and the anxiety that goes up because of that. There's the, the, the meal prep that has to go on. There's the cleaning of the house. There's the, the family that's coming in from all over the country and, and trying to make sure you've coordinated all of that. There's trying to figure out where everybody's gonna sit to minimize the amount of fighting that's gonna go on this year at the table. For some of us, there's travel that has to go into that and trying to get that all arranged and worked out and, and it's stressful. And just about the time you finally come down from all of that anxiety, you're just finding yourself out trying to find the perfect Christmas present for someone this year, that person that always seems to outshop you at Christmas time and you're gonna win this year, and so you're out looking and you're, you're looking for the best decorations to have around the house and you've gotta kind of find the best moments for Christmas this year and, Find the best movies to play and the best music to listen to because you are going to have that Christmas bliss that every once in a while seems to elude you from year to year. Now, I'm making the season sound like it's an awful thing. Don't get me wrong. This is my favorite part of the year. I love this season. But it's also during this season, unlike any other time in the year, that I can have a day that is all over the map emotionally. It's during this season that I can have a moment where I am just overwhelmed with gratitude for all that I have and all that's around me. And then suddenly, without warning, I will get discouraged by how a situation is working out or how a a situation got worked out didn't go the way that I was hoping it was gonna go or the way that I thought it would go. And it just brings me completely down and then all of a sudden out of nowhere there is this surprising moment that takes place for someone else or maybe for me and it's just heartwarming whatever took place and something got resolved and you didn't think it was ever gonna get resolved and it all works out and you almost tear up and all of that happens in like a 12 hour span. And it doesn't even necessarily happen in that order. It can come in all kinds of different orders along the way in that 12-hour span. But at the end of the day, you are absolutely exhausted. Can anybody relate to that? We're in that season. 
And so in that season, I've come to appreciate the Psalms because they're full of words that are spoken by real people in real moments of life with real emotions of life. And they are so real, and in some cases they are so raw that they speak into my own present. And they speak into my own stuff. So if you've kind of ever had the same dismissive attitude of the Psalms, or maybe thought that the Psalms were just a collection of verses that somebody grabs and puts on a poster with a mountain in the background and slaps on the wall. I hope that your perspective changes here. And we're going to dive into some of the details of this over the next couple of weeks, but um, the book of Psalms is 150 Psalms, okay? It is an intimidating part of the Bible simply by the size of it, 150 Psalms. And yet, the 150 Psalms fit very neatly into three different categories. And it's not that every one of the Psalms fits perfectly into one of the three categories, and it's not that they're perfectly and evenly distributed, like there's 50 of this kind and 50 of this kind and 50 of this kind, and it's not even that the Bible kind of clumps them together and puts them in there in this order. It's just that this is a way to view what has been provided for us from centuries ago and a way for us to understand those words and see how those words are valuable, meaningful, useful for you. Now, all of these categories are actually different seasons and moments in life, and they are seasons and moments that that you have already lived out but will probably live out again. In fact, some of you are in the midst of one of these categories right now. You, you may not even know exactly how to define it, but you're there. And some of us, over the next couple of months, are gonna go through all three of these, maybe even in one day, because of the emotions and the feelings and the sentiment of the season. So, category number one. Some of the psalms are psalms of orientation, okay? In essence, what it means is is that it's just that moment where you are sure-footed and you have great orientation and you understand that God is in control and you understand that that there may be things that are swirling and, and spinning all around you, but you are rock solid and you believe that God is God and he's got this. And it's these psalms of orientation that say, that we're just grateful to be in God's world. There are times when you just look outside and simply what you see outside causes you to see the beauty and the power of God's creation, of who God is, and you know that he is in control. And it may be that it comes in a moment when you are sitting on a beach and you're watching the waves roll in, Or maybe it comes for you in the mountains when you're looking out across the haze and the little trees that you can see off in the distance and the expanse that's in front of you. Or maybe it comes in the 
color of the leaves on the trees, the, the, the autumn colors that we enjoy in October and November. In our family, my wife sees this all the time. And she sees it in the varying colors of the sky during a sunrise or during a sunset. And she sees it in the canopy of trees that exists as we're driving out on a country road somewhere. And she gets giddy over a rainbow in the sky or a double rainbow, holy cow. But it's not just that those things are pretty to her. She is immediately drawn to the presence of God and the way that those things make it clear that he's in control. And then once she's got that figured out for herself, she tries to force all the rest of us in the car to see it the exact same way. There are so many Psalms in the Bible that talk about God and talk about his creation. And the author is clearly just kind of overwhelmed by the wonder of what he sees around him and how clear it is to him that God has got this. Like Psalm 8 says this, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is mankind that <laughs> you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and yet crowned them with glory and honor. That's just a writer who's looking at the window at the night sky and in a moment of beauty gets down to his heart how amazing God is and how much and how powerful his love truly is for us. Now there are moments in life when we are solidly right there. There are moments when we just really feel as though we are sure-footed in knowing that God is in control and that God has got whatever is going on. There's sometimes that we wake up with that feeling. And then there are sometimes when we are a long way from it. The world feels shaky. We can't even feel as though we've got one foot anywhere close to the other foot and everything seems off. And in those moments, we can tend to think that, that we're the only people that feel like that or that we shouldn't feel that way or we feel guilty or shame for feeling those things. And yet in the Bible, in the Psalms, there are people who felt that exact same way and did not hesitate from telling God about it. And those Psalms are called Psalms of disorientation. It's when everything is shaky and everything seems upside down and we are speaking from an anguished heart in a hurtful world. In Psalms, there are some pretty intense expressions of hatred and rage and anger and frustration and disappointment with God. These are words that are written not by people who don't really know God. Because when we read some of those words, we think, well, that's somebody who just doesn't get God. They don't understand how God works. And so they don't really have a relationship with God. But these are words that are written by people 
who were friends of God, who were tuned in to God, who in fact had a very close, closer than most of us have, a close walk and relationship with God. And yet in this particular season of life, they are frustrated. They're disappointed. They're discouraged. Like Psalm 13 says this. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death and my enemy will say, I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. This guy's having a bad day. Things are not going well. And everything is upside down and there is no sure footing and there is a struggle and and nothing is in focus and everything is shaky. And these are words that are available for us to read from people who were close with God. And the reason that it's important for us to read is not just to know that they had those feelings too, but the end of the psalm matters. Because here's what he says. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. Sometimes venting provides perspective. But there's a, a third grouping of psalms. It's not an orientation where everything's rock solid from what we can easily see around us. It's not disorientation where everything's shaky and unfocused and upside down. But there are psalms of new orientation where it's clear that the writer has been surprised by a world of joy that he didn't see before. That something has taken place that has just reminded him again of who God is. There there are moments, there are seasons when God shows up and God comes through completely unexpectedly in ways that are so far out of your control that there is no other way to explain it than that God got involved. You've had moments like this, little, little surprises that worked out, little moments of relief, maybe unforeseen solutions that absolutely wiped out a struggle that you just kind of thought you were going to have to struggle with for the rest of your life and you'd kind of given up on anything positive happening with it and suddenly there is resolution that takes place and there is no better way to explain those moments and to define those moments than to explain that they happen because it's God. And when those moments happen, These psalms of new orientation are psalms that speak to that understanding and that feeling about God, that he is all-powerful, that he is in control, that he has got this even though you can't explain why. And even though you can't quite explain how something's been solved or how you have let go of that thing that was stressing you out and that was pulling you down and suddenly you just have lightness that takes place because of it. And it's God. 
And when that happens, all we can think to do is praise him for who he is. Psalm 150, all the way at the end of the collection, we read a psalm like that. It says, praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and pipe. Praise him with clash of cymbals. Praise him with the resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And there are just moments where we get overwhelmed by what he works out and what can only be him at work and maybe we well up with tears or maybe there's a smile that crosses our face but if we were poetic, these are the kinds of words we would write. And these psalms are there for us in those moments. Feelings of orientation and disorientation and new orientation, all of them are feelings, positive and negative that are captured in the book of Psalms. Which makes sense because all of those feelings and all of those emotions are captured in the moments and the seasons of our life. So it shouldn't surprise us that Jesus would give us a moment that captures all of those things too that captures all of those feelings and all of those elements. Jesus gave it to us in baptism. It is a, a moment that happens because we come to a conclusion in our life. And we come to a place where we decide that God is who God has always been and that Jesus is who he says he is, and that because of that, there is a sacrifice that's been made that we get to be included in, and we take solid steps into believing and understanding and accepting who God is and the grace that he offers to us. And there is a moment of orientation like we have never had before. But then as we stand in the waters of baptism. We stand there with our seasons of life that we can't fix and our sins that we can't forgive ourselves for. And we are suddenly aware of what we can't do and everything is shaky and everything is unfocused, but then we are reminded of who God is and what he has done for us. that he has fixed it for us, that he has forgiven us through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And in a moment we are immersed under the water. The symbolism is there of our sins being washed away and when we rise up, we are new. The old has gone, the new has come. We are a new creation. And we are surprised by the joy of the ultimate gift of grace from God 
It is a new orientation on our relationship with him. And all of those emotions and all of that beauty and all of the drama of mankind is found in this one moment called baptism. And it is a connection to our redeeming relationship with God that comes through Jesus Christ. Now today is Baptism Sunday. And so this day has all of those emotions wrapped together with it too. In our first service, just so you know, we, we had three who were baptized as part of our service on Baptism Sunday. And I think it's worth the celebration for the decision that they made. Would you just celebrate with me? And we have others who have prepared to be baptized as well, but maybe this needs to be a decision that you make today. A decision where you decide that God is who God says he is. That Jesus is who Jesus says he is. And that all of the history and all of the prophecy and all of the poetry was a story about you. And you finding your sure footing in who God is and what Jesus has done for you. That you can say yes to him and solidly understand that he is who he is and that you want to follow Jesus. And you can be baptized today. You may not have come prepared for that. We have what you need and we will provide it for you. So if that's a decision that you have to make today, we want you to make it. And I'm going to pray for those decisions today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, we, we love that you have not only created us with emotions and feelings, but that you understand that we have them. And you understand that some of those emotions and feelings can lead us to be in a moment of frustration and disappointment and discouragement. And sometimes we have that with you, but in reality, we have it with ourselves. And as hard as we try, we cannot fix our life of sin, but you can. And not only can you, but you have. And you have offered to us grace and forgiveness and salvation that comes because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. And you have opened it up to everyone to say yes to that sure footing that comes through Jesus and to have our sins washed away and to be new creations in your presence. God, we thank you that you have allowed us to participate in that way. And if there are some who are choosing and and making that decision today, would you give them the courage to step out? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.